Does this woman look like she would kill her husband for money? Hmm. We have a Colorado mom on the run in England for allegedly killing two of her three children. The state of Missouri does not want Gypsy Rose Blanchard sticking around. So I guess she didn't get to meet Taylor Swift. More of nothing new in the John Benet Ramsey case. We could have a list of clients from that guy named Jeff as early as today. I could hardly wait. And another Colorado man allegedly killed his wife and uh, blaming it on an old boyfriend. Some serious thought went into this, but not enough. Those pesky IP addresses. And then our dumb criminal of the day, taking some food violence to the next level. Let's talk about it. Hi, lawyer. 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 Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Can you believe it is 2024? Well, even if you can't believe it, it's here. So let's get to it. Let's go ahead and get to the docket today. Does this woman look like somebody that would conspire to have her husband killed? Yes, because she pled guilty. San Diego police arrested Tatiana Remley in August after she brought three guns and a stack of money as a down payment to meet the man she allegedly thought was uh, being hired to kill her husband. Well, turns out that was a police officer. Well, that's a problem. As we've always said, anybody who has ever tried to hire somebody to kill their spouse, girlfriend, whomever, they always hire a police officer. Well, guess what? After months and months of denial of doing anything wrong, she pled guilty last Thursday to charges of solicitation to commit murder and carrying an unregistered gun in exchange for a sentence of less than four years in prison. Wow. Conspiring to kill somebody less than four years. Good lawyer work. Another gun-related charge was also dismissed as part of that uh, plea deal, and the judge proceeded immediately to sentencing and sentenced Miss Remley to three years and eight months in state prison. Now, when we first brought you this story back in August, there was a lot of brouhaha about the Remleys because they were, well, kind of internet famous. And uh, Miss Remley's Facebook profile was packed with images of her posing on horseback, lounging in designer shoes and swimwear at the side of the pool, and beaming next to her high-end sports cars. Well, some images even showed the tattoo of her estranged husband's name on her hip. But the couple filed for divorce in July of last year, and her husband previously claimed to a local uh, media organization that the equestrian had offered his own friend $2 million to kill him and uh, separately lit their house on fire. A local newspaper citing divorce uh, documents reported that she had been seeking payments of roughly $15,000 a month, which was down from the $50,000 allowance she had. And she had to cover her expenses of roughly $12,000 a month. Well, guess what? Now that she's in prison for the next three years, eight months, her cost of living is zero. So she has that going for her. Happy New Year. Next. A Colorado mom is on the run for killing, allegedly, two of her three children. Please meet Kimberly Singler. She was arrested in London on Saturday after going on the run for nearly two weeks. Now, police had responded to a report of a burglary at an apartment complex in Colorado Springs, Colorado, at about 12.30 a.m. on December 19th. Singler's daughter, 
Eliana, nine, and son Aiden, seven, were found deceased in the apartment. Police also found Singler and her 11-year-old daughter suffering from injuries by the children's bodies as well. The police later said that the 911 call turned out to be unfounded. That's fancy police word for a lie. Well, the uh, 35-year-old mom initially cooperated with police but disappeared during the investigation with an arrest warrant that was issued on the allegations of murder and attempted murder. Then she was last seen in uh, Colorado Springs on December 23rd. And the mother, like I said, has been arrested on Saturday in Kensington, London for offenses including two counts of murder and one count of attempted murder. She apparently appeared in the Westminster Magistrate Court uh, today for some extradition proceedings. And the uh, mom, through her attorney, told the court that she did not consent to being taken back to the United States. So she is going to fight extradition. Now, one, as a curious courtroom observer, could say, well, that sounds like uh, consciousness of guilt. If she were innocent, she'd certainly want to go back there and clear her name as expeditiously as possible. Guess we'll have to wait and see how that works out for her. Anyway, the uh, court um, heard that she appeared to have uh, no links to the United Kingdom and was staying in a hotel in Kensington, London at the time of her arrest. Uh, she was remanded into custody and she's gonna have another hearing on February 29th. So I guess she can sit there and think about whether she would like to come back to the United States. Now, most jails are quite convincing uh, in foreign countries. I'm not really sure what the conditions are there in England, but we'll see if by her next court appearance, uh, she decides to waive extradition and return to the United States. Now, as noted, Ms. Singler was uh, treated as a victim of a burglary at the 911 call, according uh, to the police. And then the uh, children's death uh, came amid an ongoing legal battle, apparently between Singer and her ex-husband, a guy by the name of Kevin Wentz, over parenting time and other issues. The couple had filed for divorce back in 2018, and it was finalized in 2020. And there was a custody plan that was approved by a uh, district court judge uh, for Wentz to visit the children with full custody being granted to Miss Singler. So I hope that is not the case where it's one of those situations, I can't have the children, neither can you, or I want to hurt you so bad by harming the children. Absolutely atrocious, atrocious. Next, Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Well, apparently the police and parole officers have ordered Gypsy Rose Blanchard to leave the state of Missouri immediately. According to news sources, Ms. Blanchard was told by her parole officer that she and her family had to get out of Missouri. Now, there's no official word from the state of Missouri on the decision about her exit, but local law enforcement officials uh, did state to a corrections unit and notified them they wanted her to leave to avoid any security issues due to her popularity. Now, Blanchard has been in Missouri since her uh, arrest in connection with the murder of her mother, Claudine Dee Blanchard, who exposed her to excessive medical treatment and made her believe she was uh, severely ill as a child. Now, because she's being forced to leave the state, Miss Blanchard apparently uh, wasn't able to attend the Kansas City Chiefs game on Sunday when they took on the Cincinnati Bengals. Apparently she is quite upset since seeing her husband had tickets and they even bought some Kansas City merchandise to wear. And she was hoping to meet Taylor Swift. But like I said, when you're ordered out of the state, good luck. 
Well, needless to say, uh, Gypsy Rose Blanchard uh, did ring in the uh, new year. How do we know that? Well, because of her Instagram account. We saw that she had a New Year's Eve kiss with her new husband, and the Gypsy and her spouse, Ryan Anderson, shot off confetti and smooched as the clock struck 12 before taking an Instagram, wait for it, wait for it, for her 5.8 million followers. 5.8 million followers. So, um, time will tell whether she will opt for a normal life or maybe the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree and uh, she's going to milk this attention for all it's worth. We'll have to wait and see. And I don't think the people that look out for Taylor Swift going to what Gypsy uh, hanging out with the Taylor Swift brand. Just a prediction. We'll see. I don't know. Probably offended somebody, and it's only January 2nd. More of nothing in the John Bonet case. Well, December 26th marked the 27th year since the body of John Bonet Ramsey, just six years old, was found in the basement of the family home there in Boulder, Colorado. Now, the little beauty pageant contestant had been bludgeoned, and it remains one of the uh, most highly profiled unsolved crimes in the country, and has obviously been detailed with lots of books, documentaries, and uh, TV specials. Nobody has been convicted of the crime, but there are theories that have circulated for the last several decades. Well, the cold case review team has now completed its analysis of the John Benet Ramsey case, according to the Boulder Police Department. They put this statement out on Thursday that they've reviewed the file. And apparently they've digitized all the evidence in the case and created a searchable database that includes 21,000 tips and more than 1,000 interviews and samples from more than 200 people, including handwriting, DNA, fingerprint, and shoe prints. Glad it's only taken 27 years to digitize the case. In all, the case uh, file contains apparently 2,500 pieces of evidence and nearly 40,000 police reports, uh, according to the Boulder Police Department. But they're not going to tell you what they have found or what they intend to do to maintain the integrity of the investigation. Police have said that the amount of the DNA evidence that was collected at the crime scene, however, is still available for analysis. But it's apparently small, and it can be completely consumed by testing. That's called destructive testing. However, the police have noted that the detectives are actively taking steps to prepare the evidence for testing when possible. Now, of course, testing it and the sample will be destroyed is problematic because what if the defendant then wants to test it, but you can't find if there's going to be a potential defendant without testing it. Ooh, the quandary they must be going through. So as most people may recall, or maybe you don't because it's been so long ago, back in 1998, the then Boulder County District Attorney Alex Hunter presented the case to a grand jury of eight women and four men. Now, the grand jurors are among the few people that have seen most of the evidence uh, that the prosecutors presented in the case against John and Patsy Ramsey, the parents of John Benet. Now, obviously, grand jury proceedings in the state of Colorado are secret, and the penalties for revealing testimony or evidence can be quite severe and possibly include even jail time. But despite the threat, one member of the grand jury spoke to the press back in 2016, and the juror said that he believed that there was enough evidence to indict John and Patsy Ramsey for a crime, but he didn't think they possibly would be convicted at the end of the day. 
The grand jury did recommend charges against John and Patsy Ramsey, indicating the jurors believed that they placed John Bonet in a situation resulting in her death. But in a somewhat weird, twisted turn, the prosecutor didn't follow those recommendations and findings of the grand jury, and um, his prosecution task force believed they didn't have sufficient evidence to warrant the filing of charges against anyone who had been investigated at that time. And then back in 2008, the Boulder County District Attorney Mary Lacey wrote a letter stating that she was clearing the Ramseys of any involvement in John Bonet's death. Now, Patsy Ramsey has now passed away of ovarian cancer back in 2006, and the investigation into John Bonet is still considered open and active because they're still working on it, right? So we'll just have to wait and see if anything comes of that. Now, obviously, we give everybody the uh, presumption of innocence as it relates to that case. My prediction is there will never be anyone charged in that case. And one day, I'll tell you off the record why I think that's the case. Next, the client list of that guy named Jeff. That's right. If you say that guy named Jeff's full name, YouTube will ban you, so we're not going to say it. But the little black book that uh, apparently allegedly belonged to the convicted uh, guy named Jeff is about to become public knowledge. Names of associates of the late guy named Jeff are to be released as early as today. Perhaps if that list is released, we'll cover it live tonight. Now, the names were included in a 2015 civil lawsuit against that guy named Jeff's former girlfriend, Ghislaine Maxwell, by a woman who says she was one of that guy named Jeff's sex trafficking victims. Her name is Virginia Jeffrey, and she alleges that when she was 17 years old, Maxwell arranged for her to have relations with that guy named Jeff and other high-profile men. One of the more prominent names expected on the list is uh, Britain's Prince Andrew, who settled with Miss Jeffrey back in February of 2022, but denied any wrongdoing. Yeah, he settled for like $12 million, because that's normal, right? You give $12 million to somebody so that things don't come out, that's normal, right? No. Well, also, uh, former President uh, Bill Clinton's name is also expected to appear. Now, while Miss Jeffrey didn't allege any wrongdoing by uh, former President Clinton, and there is not expected to be any evidence of illegal conduct. The lawsuit claims she met him on that guy named Jeff's private island. The president has denied ever visiting the island, ever. He did not have sexual relations, ladies and gentlemen. Why don't you believe him? So last month, the federal judge in New York ordered the identities one of 150 people named in the lawsuit to be made public, ruling that there was no reason for the names to remain sealed and any victim's names will remain private upon its release. Now, the guy named Jeff, who had already been convicted of sexual offenses, passed away unexpectedly in jail in 2019 while awaiting trial for a sex trafficking charge. Now, Miss Maxwell was convicted in 2021 of helping that guy named Jeff allegedly recruit and sexually abuse young girls. Well, she's currently serving 20 years for that uh, involvement. We'll have to wait and see, ladies and gentlemen, who is going to be on that list. I can hardly wait. Next, another Colorado guy in trouble. Kill the wife and try to frame the ex-boyfriend? Okay, so this case is in Broomfield, Colorado. A stone's throw from the Crime Talk studios. Now, for the most part, Broomfield is pretty nice little neighborhood. There's a couple of pockets that aren't great, but for the most part, very nice. Lots of golf courses, lots of older people, very quiet community, great schools. 
and I say that because my son graduated from Broomfield High School. It's a pretty quiet little town. I think they get maybe one murder every two to three years. It's a pretty quiet little place. Well, like I said, a Broomfield man is charged now with the killing of his wife earlier this month after he allegedly sent threatening emails and text messages but led her to believe they were from an ex-boyfriend that she hadn't seen in over 20 years. Now, this is all according to an arrest affidavit from the Broomfield Police Department. Now, Daniel Krug, who obviously is given the presumption of innocence because he hasn't been convicted of anything yet, but he was arrested at a King Supers store in Broomfield on December 16th. Now, his wife, Crystal Krug, was found dead inside the garage of their home on uh, December 14th. Now, according to the autopsy report, she had at least two wounds to her head and a stab wound to her chest. Now, months before Crystal Krug was found deceased, she reported concerns to police about a possible stalker. She made the first report on October 31st and reported that an ex-boyfriend she had not seen in 20 years would periodically send her messages over the years. She said typically she didn't respond to the messages and they stopped. She said communications from her ex started again on October 2nd and that this time around there was an escalation which caused her concern for her safety and that of her family. This is all according to the affidavit. And then on October 31st, there was an email purportedly from her ex, including a photo of Daniel Krug, right, the husband, exiting his vehicle at his workplace in Glendale on that day. There was a second email to Crystal Krug on November 2nd, which indicated that her license plates were expired, obviously to make her think that somebody's stalking her family. Now, Crystal Krug confirmed to police that they did need to be renewed. She received a text message on November 9th from someone saying they had seen her at the dentist's office, according to the affidavit. She confirmed to police she had been to the dentist that day. Then there was another vulgar and threatening message that was sent on November 13th, which prompted the Glendale police to respond to Daniel Krug's workplace to check on his safety. Well, the Broomfield police also responded to Crystal Krug's residence for a welfare check. Well, the Crystal Krug received an additional message on December 5th and 6th, according to the affidavit. Days later, on December 14th, Daniel Krug called the police and told them he hadn't been able to reach his wife for about three hours. And he also said that she had sent him a message that he needed to pick up one of their kids because she had a meeting with a detective about the stalking case. That detective, however, said they had no plans to meet. The officer went to the home and no one answered. He then went over to the, look into the garage, looked through the window, and who did they find? A woman on the floor, Krug. The officer called for assistance and they forced their way into the home and they went into the garage. They began to perform CPR on the woman who had no pulse. The investigators learned the home had several motion sensor cameras, but coincidentally, three out of the four had been offline for a large portion of that morning before Crystal was found deceased. Can you imagine such a thing? There was painter's tape over the doorbell camera, according to the affidavit when the police arrived, and investigators also canvassed 42 homes near the Krug home and found no evidence of any unknown person being at the Krug home. Now, family members later told investigators that Crystal Krug was planning to divorce Daniel and to seek full custody of their children. One of the persons described their relationship as not very good. Detectives determined that Daniel Krug was the last known person to see Crystal Krug alive, and they were the only people who could have turned off the motion cameras. 
Well, they found out that the IP address, that, ooh, those pesky IP addresses used to send the threatening emails to Crystal Krug originated from Daniel Krug's office. It was also noted in the affidavit that Crystal Krug's ex, the one that she was being led to believe was her stalker, well, he currently lives in Utah and was shown to be shopping there in Utah when she had her dentist appointment on November 9th. He was also there on the morning that she was killed. Now, Daniel Krug is being held on a $5 million cash-only bond there in the Broomfield County Courts, and he is set for a preliminary hearing in February. We're going to watch that one. A lot of planning went into that to make her think that she was being stalked. He should have thought a little bit more about it. And I can only imagine, only imagine what they're going to find on his cell phone when they go through all those records as well. And then finally today, yes, this is taking food violence to a whole new level. So Latoya Gladney, she's apparently a uh, new manager in training at a McDonald's in North Carolina. And apparently she told police that her employees were being disrespectful to her. So she called her husband to assist her. And that's when it is alleged that Dwayne Waden, a pastor, arrived at the restaurant to apparently help with a little uh, counseling between manager and employees. Well, Waden walked into the kitchen and then began punching Theodore Garrington, a cook there in McDonald's, because that ought to get his attention, would it not? Waden also allegedly then wrapped his hands around Garlington's neck and began pushing his head towards the deep fryer. That'll teach him to disrespect his wife. Anyway, several employees uh, had to intervene before uh, Garlington could be dipped into hot oil, pulling Waden off the victim. Now, Garlington suffered a large contusion, which is a big old fat bruise to the forehead and the right eye, along with some scratches on his neck. Now, the EMS workers responded to the scene. Garlington uh, chose to uh, have relatives transport him to the hospital. But the police ultimately arrived, interviewed witnesses, and reviewed, guess what? The security camera footage. Shocking. And Mr. Waden was arrested for an assault. His bond was set at $1,000, and he has to appear in court on January 22nd. Now, according to Mr. Waden's Facebook page, he is a semi-truck driver and is a pastor at the Elevated Life International Ministries, which just celebrated its second anniversary. Um, his church slogan is, where hope starts and life begins. They're operating out of a storefront space next to Bueno Burrito. It's unclear uh, what effects that may have on uh, his wife's managerial uh, prospects. My guess is uh, McDonald's won't be commenting due to employment issues. What can you do? What can you say? I don't know. Um, I don't know. But the reality of it is, is uh, if that's the way your husband uh, responds to uh, counseling others, he's not going to do well as a minister. Just throwing that out there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for you today. Happy New Year. Thanks for watching Crime Talk, and we'll see you next time.